The following audio is from Cross Life Church in Tampa, Florida. We are a church that exists to help people find Christ, their place in the body, and their mission to the world. Our calling is to raise leaders and plant churches. So if you live in the Hudson area or near Wester Chapel, you can also check us out at one of our other locations. For more information, visit us at crosslife.net. We've been walking through this series, How Then Should We Live? And in our culture today, it's evident that uh, wickedness is increasing. But we know that the end of the story, Jesus has the win. And so we've been using as a key text uh, the, the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20 as a key text, because I think it's simple. So we've been looking at what does it look like to be an ambassador? What does it mean to be a disciple? What are the metrics of a disciple? And then we started talking about discipleship. And last week we talked about discipleship and the idea that it is, has this idea of modeling, of teaching, of modeling and inviting others along the journey to help them learn what you've learned, to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. And I said two things that I just kind of want to refresh on before we jump into where I want to go this morning. And that is that discipleship is both organic and structured. In other words, uh, when you receive Jesus as your Savior, there's just going to be some natural things that are going to occur in your life because of the deposit of the Spirit of God in your life and you walking in light, your eyes being open. There's going to be this organic or natural growth in your life. But then there's also going to be a necessity of a structured growth, growth in your life. The things that you need to begin to learn as a follower of Jesus. So in the Great Commission, the organic piece is, is it, that is as you go, as you go into the world, make disciples. And this idea is structured because it has this idea. You do this by baptizing them, and I said that it is bringing them to a point of decision, and then teaching them. And the teaching part is, as Jesus said, teaching them all the things that I have commanded you. Paul said it this way. He said, all that you've heard and seen in me, entrust those to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So there's this teaching piece about uh, what it means to be a disciple. You've got to be a learner. And if you're discipling someone, you have to have learned to impart the knowledge that you have. But there is this also, it's teaching, but it's also teaching by example. And I think if there's anything in the church today that we really need to get is we really need to be a good example of what it looks like as a follower of Jesus. And so this morning, kind of what I want to look at kind of specifically, uh, this is from me. This is, this is what I see. There's a lot more to it. Matter of fact, uh, when you start, look, if you could just got online and you type disciple of Jesus, you would get gazillions of things. Here's all the measurements that you can have. Somebody's a disciple of Jesus. Discipleship is, there's all kinds of models out there, and I'm not saying anything about them, right, wrong, or indifferent. There's just a lot of stuff out there. So this morning, this is, this is my view. Kind of my view into how Jesus taught and modeled. 
The things that Jesus taught and modeled that are the forefront. And I was super excited a few weeks back when we entered into this, and I said, okay, what are the metrics of a disciple? And I didn't hear these little check boxes about you need to read the Word, you need to pray, you need to go to church, you need to give. None of that was ever brought out. It was, look, being a disciple really is about a changed life and a changing life. One that is following after pursuing Jesus and our life shifting to continue to model that. And I love that because that's the simplicity of it. Jesus, I love how he does, and John and Paul and Peter, all of them have simplified the gospel message in a lot of different ways. It's about loving God and loving others. So sometimes we get kind of critical or we can get judgmental or we can get real legalistic about putting these check boxes up. But the reality is, if you find someone that has received Jesus as their Savior, I can tell you right now, their life will change. And if they're continuing to follow Him and trust Him, their life will keep changing. And so I think that that is important. So here's some things that I saw, I see, concerning Jesus modeling to the disciples. And the first one to me, it was pretty obvious. It had to do with dependence upon the Spirit of God. And so we see that this in every aspect of Jesus' life. He wasn't here doing his thing. Uh, we need to remember that in Philippians chapter 2, remember it talks about the humanity of Jesus. What does it say about the humanity of Jesus there? It says, you know, he didn't cling to who he was as God. He let go of that. The the word says he emptied himself of that. And he took upon the form of a human. So he, he had our humanness. Did Jesus have more than we did? Well, he had more than we did in this respect. He understood who the Father was. But as far as all the things that Jesus did, we learn that Jesus did not do them by of his own, of his own will, what he wanted. And we're going to learn that Jesus was dependent upon the Spirit of God. So we remember, and you know from Scripture, that Jesus, you know, up until he was 30, he lived kind of a normal life, except that he never sinned. But his life, where there was a normalcy about it. But at age 30, we learn in Luke chapter 3 that he goes to be baptized of John. And when he's baptized in water from John, we see that he was also filled with the Holy Spirit. So up to this point, we don't see him teaching, performing miracles. But at this point in his life, when he's ready to enter in or transition into public ministry we see this empowerment that takes place in his life. And from this moment on, we, see, we hear this a lot about Jesus, that he was led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So at the end of chapter 3, we see that here's, John, here's the baptism. Uh, Jesus is filled with the Spirit of God. It goes through the lineage to prove who Jesus really was. And in Luke chapter 4, he jumps in, picking up the story, at that point, he leaves the Jordan River, and it says he returned. He, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, he returned from the Jordan and was, wet, wet, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And we understand that whole experience. We can read that in Luke chapter four, verses two through thirteen. What the temptations that Jesus faced in the wilderness. But after that, in verse fourteen, it says, "And then Jesus returned to Galilee from the wilderness in." the power of the Spirit, and the news spread 
uh, about him in all the surrounding districts. And then in verse 16 through 20, he leaves, he goes back to his home. When he gets to his home, he goes into the synagogue as was his custom. The reason I'm pressing in on this is because we need to understand that when we receive Jesus as our Savior, it's just we don't add Jesus to our life. That is not what happens. When you receive Jesus, you lay your life down. You deny yourself, you pick up your cross, you follow him. What that entails is that when you receive Jesus, everything shifts. Now your life is on this pathway that, is, that God is wanting for your life, that God is going to bring you into, that God is going to open up to you, that God is going to reveal to you, and that he's going to be there with you in it, helping you there. And so Jesus, he goes in, he's into the synagogue where he went on the Sabbath days, and as it was his custom, and he gets up, uh, the rabbi hands him the scroll of Isaiah. And I like this because when it was handed to him, it says, he found the place where it was written. So he gets the scroll of Isaiah, he flips the, to the scroll of Isaiah to this place, in Isaiah chapter 59, I think it is, or I didn't look, where it says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So here's this thing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me. And He's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to claim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then He rolls back up the scroll. He hands it back to the rabbi and He says this, Right now, today, at this moment, this day, this is being fulfilled. This has been fulfilled. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, the one that God has chosen to proclaim this message of good news. Today, this is fulfilled. The Messiah has come. And I love that because he emphasizes, look, from this moment on, as you watch my life, you need to understand that it is because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And we see it in the miracles he performed, how he cast out demons, the way he was empowered to proclaim the message. And so here it is, we compare our lives so much. Here Jesus, God chooses Jesus to come to the earth to fulfill a mission in the same way God chooses us to fulfill a mission. But when his time came... And I think this is important. When his time came to do what God is asking him to do, we need to understand that God gave him what he needed to do it, and that was the infilling of the Spirit of God to fulfill, empower him to do the mission. In Peter, um, uh, in Acts chapter 10, 38, he says it this way, that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So number one, we need to understand what Jesus' model was, dependence upon the Father, dependence upon the Spirit of God in his life to be led to do as he's wanting him to do. should be in a high priority in our life. The second thing that Jesus modeled was the centrality of prayer in his life. He didn't just model prayer. He, he, he modeled the centrality of prayer, how, how it's, it's a basic thing that needs to be in our life if we are going to follow, if we're going to fulfill, if we're going to serve Jesus. 
We need this relationship. We need to be asking God of the things that He's wanting us to do. We're supposed to allow God to have free course in our life through prayer. And I'm not going to get into this a lot, but it's interesting. You can just look through and at, at, at those at defining moments in the ministry of Jesus, what you see before those defining moments is you see Him in prayer. So it was in Luke chapter 3 at His baptism, He prayed. He was praying. He fasted and prayed 40 days in the wilderness. He took times to withdraw from the activities of ministry to steal away, to pray all night, to set Himself right, to hear from God, to make sure His life was laid down. We see it in the in in when uh, before he would go into areas and and do his ministry and healing before he walked on the water before he chose a twelve before he raised Lazarus from the dead at the transfiguration uh, we see it in before he was even teaching his disciples about how to pray we understand at Gethsemane he prayed three times on the cross he prayed three times so Jesus is for me I'm seeing that okay this is priority. If, and, and so you think about disciple and discipleship, and you know, a lot of people say, um, okay, uh, they have, uh, if, if you, again, if you went on discipleship, they'd say, here's Paul's, uh, here, here's, the, here's this model of Paul's ministry of discipleship. And basically he says, well, mine's kind of the same as Jesus's, you know, follow me as I follow him, but or you get on and say, well, here was Jesus's. Well, you know what, I think I'm going to, I, both are good, I don't, I can't miss any of them, but I really need to look at Jesus's life. Because if Jesus was the one to come on the scene and say, look at, I'm going to model what it looks like as a follower. I'm going to model what it looks like to have this connection. And so dependence upon the Holy Spirit, a prayer filled, focused life. And then thirdly, it was, of course, it was obedience to the will of the Father. Remember, he says in John chapter 5, verse 30, I'm not seeking to please myself, but the one that sent me. And I'm here to do what the Father has desired. That's a really tricky piece for us today, right? I mean, even the, when you're young, right? So me at 20, you know, I became a believer at 20, and I didn't understand what it meant to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. So I was already in an occupation, and I kind of had my life mapped out. This was not on the map. My last 40 years was not on my map, right? So as you are understanding that God's got this design for your life, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade the last 40 years of my life, because not because I get to do this, because it has, um, I, I, this is shallow, okay, just so you know I'm shallow. This has made me get this right. This has made me get this right. But let me just back up, because if you say, I am a follower of Christ, that should make you get this right. Does that make sense? So, as we are understanding that God has got this design for our life, it's not a, uh, how many of you in a family on the refrigerator have your chores checklist? Not anymore. Thank you, Jesus. 
Well, no, maybe not. Well, now you have to do it all, right? Well, Adopt. Well, no. no. Oh, isn't that how that works? The honeydew list is not on the refrigerator. The wife has it in her head. And what, you don't know it, but it's not done. You're in trouble every day and you don't even know why. Hey, that is not right to do. Make a list and say, honey, when you are so moved in the next two hours. All right. Remember when Jesus was in the garden, he said this, he says, look, um, he, he knew what was ahead, and <laughs> like us, we're going, hey, is there another way to get this done? Is there another way to do this? Is this what I have to do? Is, it, is, this, is this necessary? And apparently, the father must have whispered because Jesus said, okay. If that's what it takes, then that's what I will do. Earlier I talked about Jesus' humanity in chapter 2 of Philippians. That, that verse goes on to say that I didn't get to. It says, during his life as a man, Jesus, during his life as a man, he humbled himself by being fully obedient to God. And, of course, that full obedience led to him to be a sacrifice for humanity. Next thing that I see in Jesus' life, and listen, again, these are like, um, so you could kind of boil down what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus. Well, it's about loving God and loving others. So that's real big and broad. So look, at if, you, if, we, if we get hung up on anything and you're thinking, what does it really look like for me to be and to honor God with my life. I would just, we could just close the book and let's just do this. Love God and love other people. But see, as you do that, then you got to back up and say, well, what does it really look like to love God? And what does it really look like to love other people? Somewhere along the line, we're going to have to kind of dig in here and we're going to have to make some decisions through prayer and through trusting God, through listening to the Spirit of God, through His Word. What does this look like in my life? And I said, uh, I've made comments several times this, where it talks about, um, we went through a series about, um, about a loving God and uh, and about this idea of change in our life and what does that look like. And we said, love is patient, kind. It is not, uh, it, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I said, well, if you're really having trouble with love, start with number one. Just start at patience. Once you think you're kind of getting that down, move to the next one. It's kind. Why don't we just try to be? What does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? Well, why don't you just start with being patient? Patient with the ignorance of humanity around us that do not know the gospel, have not met the Savior. Let's just start there. And the next step you can take from your patience is kindness, because them kind of flow together, because there's a lot of people, as soon as I meet them, I go, yeah, no, wham, slam, just the smack down. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit's going, whoa, back up the bus. What does it mean to love, Tracy? Why don't you give him a little leeway? 
Why don't you show them a little kindness? That's a good place to start. You know what? If you never got past loving kindness, you're good. If you never get past that, you would be good. Because it would continue to change you. And it would continue to change the people around you. Light shining into darkness. Patience and kindness because of the love of Christ in your life. Because the Spirit of God who stirred it in your life, who flows, wants to flow out of your life with that. I think we could go home. Right? No, you can't. I've got a couple things. <laughs> Jesus modeled uh, this high value of Scripture. He referenced 70 different times throughout the Old Testament how he referred back to bring people's minds to what was written. He chided the scribes and Pharisees because they seemed to not know what God's Word was about. Remember the, I'm trying to remember where this was, I have it written here, but where he, he's talking to the scribes and Pharisees, he says, you know what, <laughs> I'll tell you what, uh, you know, you give God a tithe of everything, your mint, your dill, your cumin, you, to, to the various, you're so meticulous about making sure you fulfill that, and he says, but the really important teaching of the law, like being Share, like being fair, showing mercy, being faithful. It's like you're missing that. So if you're just up here checking, I love Jesus said, you've heard it said, but I say unto you. So it's almost like you're going, no, it's not about checking boxes. It's about having this right relationship. Because this right relationship will change you and keep changing you. He told them, you ignore justice and the love of God. And then he tells him, you need to search the scriptures because they are that which testifies of me. And then you read it several times. Have you never read David? Ha didn't you know what Isaiah was saying? You're, you're an heir. And I love this because it's in the, in the Passion Translation. It says this way. He says, you are mistaken because your hearts are not filled with the revelation of the scriptures and the power of God. See, when we decide that we're going to lay our life down and we, we work to get this right, what happens is there is a revelation of Scripture and there is a revelation of the love of God in our life. And I understand that sometimes we take less and rights because the devil's out there really working hard to distract our lives. But we need to, that's why this morning, we really need to find those quiet places to get away. We need, to, we need to open up the Scripture so God can speak to us because it's those things that... So if, if that's where I'm supposed to be looking and I'm not, it is those things that just go... And they turn me. And when they turn me, I'm changed. How simple. And it seems like the simple things we sometimes can forget. Let me just quickly do two more. 
Jesus, there was something about who Jesus was and understanding who the Father was that he continued to glorify God with his life in this way. He continued to say, listen, everything that you see in me, hear, do, it's, this isn't my design and my idea, it was the Father's. And so he's speaking to Nicodemus, remember in John chapter 3, and he says this uh, to Nicodemus. Anyone who follows the true way comes to the light. And then the light will show that whatever he has done was done through God. Toward, it, remember, he says, I can't do anything on my own, rather it's a father living in me who is doing the work in John chapter 8. At the end of his life, toward the end of his ministry, he's talking to his disciples, and he takes them away, um, uh, John 14, 15, 16, and 17, verse, chapter 17, he's praying to the father for his disciples. And he says this, he says, Father, now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. In other words, they're going, Father, they finally realize that I was sent here as a man and that I have trusted you. And they understand now that what is in my life, you've dropped into my life. You have helped me do what I am doing and I think for all of us, it's really the crux of where we need to get to. Father, I appreciated worship that Denise really brought us back some basic tenets of belief, some things to look at. I'm so glad that people in my life have helped me see that we got this long heritage, a long heritage of who he is in the lives of those that follow him. And because they have followed him, these, this message has carried on from generation to generation to generation. So why is it necessary for us to continue to model, continue to, continue to hold the line, continue to trust, and even what's difficult and tricky to keep walking this out, even though we may fall down, getting back up, helping our children understand that sometimes life gets tricky. Sometimes you might miss it, but if you will just realize that that's not the end, but we can get back on a path and ask God to help us once again, Father, I've, 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 oh, I'm so mad at me. I really need to get past this in my life. Look at every one of us have those areas. There's not anybody sitting in here that doesn't have an area where you got to keep going back and going, I don't even know. I don't uh, this has been going on so long. Come on! Look, when I first got saved, he just took drugs and the desire for that out of my life. Other things, I'm going, what's up with that? Why didn't you just yank them out of my life as well? He goes, here's what I know to this point. That would have that buried me again. He knew that. The other things, he would give me grace to see them more fully to what they were. And those things that the enemy has been trying to destroy my life with, and God has sanctified in my life and caused a weapon against the enemy. And that is powerful. So why do we need to learn? I need to learn what it is in those areas so I can share with somebody else. Yeah, I get where, I, I know where you're coming. I get where you're coming from. Yeah, I'm kind of still in the struggle there too. Here's what I've learned. So let me end. I could go on and on.
Last thing is, I think that we can see that it has been Jesus modeling God's love through intentional relationships. I mean, look at the 12. What a group. They, there were factions inside there. Luke, who was a physician. You get Peter, James, and John. They were scrubby fishermen. You get the zealot, who was a traitor. Look at the different... And then he sat with the publicans and sinners, the tax collectors and sinners. He forged relationships through the whole of humanity. And he is wanting us to know what we need to model the same way. We need to model God's love through the whole of humanity. Because that's really how people are going to see him. It's through the patience and the kindness. As you're doing that because he's asked that of you. Or he's put you in that place to do it. You know, I think um, people are hesitant to walk into a church because in the past maybe they've done it and they've just felt judged and not loved. Or they get in a little bit and they look around and they don't see what they think they should see, which could be misguided, but really if anybody drops into a fellowship of believers, there should be something that hits their life. And the thing that hits our life is God's interaction through our lives and them. That's why we need to model this. That's why it's important for us not to just be a learner and a follower, trusting, but we need to help others see that in our lives so that they can be doing the very same thing because God's main intention for humanity is to go into the world and make disciples of all nations. And we get to be a part of that. And it can be so simple, so easy, if we just begin. Father, I thank you that you are a God that is sufficient. Because us trusting Christ, there is enoughness. There's an enoughness in our life for whatever we may need. I'm asking that today, God, you just stir in all of our hearts today and remind us again of the relationship you've opened to us. And I pray that we would trust your words in that and continue to walk toward you in the way that you've asked, in the face of the world and the darkness around us, in Jesus' name. Amen.